2: Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Thrilled to go out to the Brown and Crippen celebrity line. Our guy Mark Saxon is waiting for us. He's a Cardinals insider for 101 ESPN and The Athletic. Saxy, how you doing today, bud?
0: I'm doing uh, better than I usually am doing on a, on a trade deadline, uh, two and a half hours before it's over.
2: So are you doing better because you think that the Cardinals are about to make a blockbuster? Is that what you're trying to say? You've already got that story written. It's ready to go. Nolan Arenado to the Cardinals. Wow, you
0: you you see, you're good, man. You, are you looking over my shoulder on my screen? PK, my God!
2: I watched what you were yeah. typing, and I saw the N O L, and I, I was ready to go. All right, so no, oh. that's not the reason.
1: Francisco, and I don't Lindor. Mean to say
0: that I, I love writing about big trades, but what I mean I should have said rather than feeling good about it, it's like I'm not as stressed out as I normally would be. <laughs> and that's because and i don't get mad at me i'm just a messenger but i really don't expect anything this year um and i can explain it to you guys one of the explanations is a little boring the other one maybe is a little better do you want me to skip the boring give one? us
2: the 10 second version the elevator pitch of the boring part
0: yeah then give us the heat right, so. <laughs> <laughs> i like i like it this that's you guys in a nutshell man uh <laughs> So, basically, when dudes go on the COVID IL, they don't count against your 40-man roster. So, the Cardinals were able to add a bunch of guys who weren't on the 40-man roster to the 40-man roster. Now, three guys have come off the COVID IL, and they've had to take some guys off the roster. But there's still seven more guys coming back, some good players like Helsley and Carlos Martinez, right? So they're gonna need seven roster spots on the forty man roster. What's another example of a time when you need roster spots? When you make a trade, you need to add those guys to the forty man roster. So now you're talking about adding seven guys plus whoever you trade for. That means those cuts could go pretty deep. It may not just be the, you know, the Royal Ramirez's of the world who you'd lose. It could be, you know, more useful guys at Jake Woodford or a John Magowski who they want to keep. And so that's kind of where they are. They, they have to find these roster spots. And I talked to Mo at the end of last week, and he just didn't sound like he really had the appetite to do both. And so that, that's the boring version.
2: Um, so Give us the I, heat I now. Let's hear the sense. heat. What's the heat over here, Saxy?
0: <laughs> and then the heat is, you know, for years this team this team has been contending for going on twenty years now, and they haven't been drafting in that where you get those elite prospects, right, in that top ten area of of the major league draft. And they've, but they have, despite that, finally gotten their farm system to a place where they like it. It's a, it's improving. They have some really good young players like Nolan Gorman, Matthew Libertor, Zach Thompson at the top of the list. And if you go out and trade for a good reliever or, let's say, a depth starter, which is where you would assume they'd be looking, um, you got to give up a lot. Look, Michael Givens, who's a good middle reliever, a good pitcher for the Orioles, just got two top ten prospects from the Rockies. So do you want to give up two top ten prospects for a guy like that? I I just don't think that's where this team is. And then when you talk about the long-term trade, trade a Lindor kind of a guy who by the way is not signed beyond this season so that you'd still have to extend him it's just a complicated thing to pull off when you don't know where your revenues are going to be right you don't know will next season start on time so obviously they're down in revenues this year I I just think those two impediments are going to make it too tough and maybe I'm totally wrong and in two hours we're going to be talking
1: again but that that's what I see all right, so Saxe, look, obviously it's a unique season, to say the least. That's for sure. Now, sometimes in these unique seasons, there's, there's an advantage or a disadvantage to jumping on trade deadlines like this. Do you think it's to the Cardinals' advantage to just kind of sit back and let the dust settle? Or is it going to be advantageous for some team at this point, even if it's not the Cardinals, to go out and scoop up players right now because maybe they'll get – you know, an easier return. It won't cost them as much right now because of all of this uncertainty in the future.
0: Well, again, like Jamie, you nailed it. It's it's some teams are really situated well to take advantage of these conditions. An example of that. And I, I realize I'm, you know, it's like 2020 vision is hindsight, but the Padres right built their farm system up to the point, you know, where not only do they have a bunch of great young players coming up, like Fernando Tatis and and other guys like that, but they've got excess guys. And so they're in a position, unlike the Cardinals, because the Padres were so lousy for so many years and did get those elite players, they're in a position where they can sit back right now, where maybe, as you said, prices are just a tick lower than they would be at a typical deadline. They'll sit back and deal those extra still very good prospects for the guys they're getting right now. And that, that's what you're see ha- seeing happening. But the difference is the Cardinals, again, who have never been able to take advantage of that tanking kind of a uh, strategy as so many teams have to this point, because of, I think, the fact that we're talking about this and you guys are on the air talking about the Cardinals all the time. The Cardinals are huge here. Fans wouldn't probably not put up with a, a tanking type you know, two or three year stretch. They're not in a position where they have the farm system to that point. I think where they feel comfortable dealing off these excess pieces because those excess pieces aren't there. You get to, down to their number 10 prospect. And it's kind of a guy who could be good, could be a bench guy, could be somebody, but not going to is not a guy who's going to move the needle in a major blockbuster trade for like a Mike Clevenger. So I think that's just where they are. Some teams are better situated right now than the Cardinals. Um, frustrating as it is you know this team's probably going to have to build primarily through the draft and free and in my and international free agency signings that's just the way it looks
2: we're talking with mark saxon cardinals insider for 101 espn and the athletic here on 101 espn sexy we were just talking about some of the little things that have gone awry for the cardinals in recent days and obviously yesterday notwithstanding with the incredible performance by adam wainwright but cardinals one for 15 with runners in scoring position on saturday three for 30 with runners in scoring position during their four game losing streak they have they're piling up with some of the errors they've lost 18 runners to outs on the bases so far this season Uh, to you what what is the culprit for this is it just a tired team that we're watching is it something bigger than that what's going on with the errors the runners in scoring position issues and the outs on the bases that we're seeing
0: Yeah, so I would separate some of those issues into separate categories, Then this is just my perspective on it. I think the bad base running and the errors, to me, look like products of a kind of a mentally fatigued team. Look, everybody's playing a weird schedule this year. The Cardinals are playing, like, from from Mars' schedule, right? All these doubleheaders. Um, all these games stacked up, almost no off days. And if you look at the off days in September, typically there's a doubleheader before and a doubleheader after. So those are really just kind of survival days. But <clears throat> so I do see some of that because look at the guys who made the base running mistakes, Yadi Molina and Paul DeYoung in that game. Those guys are above average base runners. I know Yadi's slow, but he's a very smart base runner. That looked like mental fatigue to me. The hitting part is, I think, what you got to worry about because right now you've got Paul Goldschmidt swinging it great, getting on base a ton. You've got Dexter Fowler swinging it pretty darn good, actually. Harrison Bader, probably better than that. And everybody else just has some ugly numbers. You know, Brad Miller as a bench guy has decent, actually very good numbers too, but, you know, he's not a guy who's going to play every day. So you just wonder whether this team has enough firepower offensively um And you also wonder with some of the young guys, some of these outfielders, and I, I guess I'm talking about Dylan Carlson and, and Tyler O'Neill, whether the pressure is starting to get to them. So to me, like even though it kind of looks the same, which is lifeless, I think there's different explanations for both of those uh, factors.
1: All right, Sexy, one thing I wanted to talk about real quick with you is the performance of Adam Wainwright, and not just specifically yesterday. But this entire season, he's been very solid. And coming out of their COVID outbreak, you know, he stepped up and gave the Cardinals some big innings. And he's continued to be an inning muncher every single game he's gone on. And last night, he gets the nine-inning complete game. You know, is that a reason that maybe the Cardinals can sit back a little bit at the trade deadline? Because BK brought up earlier, look, you're looking for Miles Miklas replacement but maybe Adam Wainwright is that guy right now, and maybe that makes it easier for the Cardinals to just kind of stand pat and let some of the younger guys develop.
0: Yeah, and in general, just the pitching has been so good that you're not going to feel the same sense of urgency to go out and get that bat when you're generally winning or, or certainly holding your own despite really difficult circumstances, and the reason they have held their own is the pitching's been fantastic. The bullpen has been great, and Adam Wainwright is an enormous part of that. And the sample size with Weno with is getting long enough now where it, it really looks like more of a trend than kind of a, a late career kind of fluke. Look at his performance in the postseason last year. If you count those three starts on top of the four he's made this year, I think he's got something like a 238 ERA. I wonder if getting back to the playoffs really re-energized him and, you know, kind of gave him that reason to just maybe bust his butt a little bit harder in his workouts in the off season, but he does look great. And another factor to consider, he's got that great curveball, and it hasn't gone anywhere, right? His fastball has gone down from, you know, back in the day, it was in the mid nineties. Now he's touching 90, 91. So, but what are you seeing in the league now? You're seeing a big uptick in breaking balls. I think, Pitchers around baseball are throwing sliders and curveballs 25% more than they did even last year. So that's the trend, and the reason it's the trend is all hitters are trying to do the same thing. They're all trying to hit home runs. And a good curveball, you're not going to hit a lot of home runs on a good curveball. So I think the fact that he's using that curveball more, it's a little bit similar to an older guy, Rich Hill, who was pitching well into into his low 40s. By throwing his curveball like 50% of the time, Adam may not be quite up there because he's got a little more zip on his fastball, but similar story. It's a great weapon against the style of hitting we're seeing in baseball right now, and I think those two factors, Adam just pitching great and having that, that big hook has been enormous for him.
2: Final quick question for you, Saxie. We got about a minute here. I wanted to ask you about the outfield situation because you brought up Tyler O'Neill, and I, I got to apologize to our listeners. I, I think this is on me. I said Tyler O'Neill is fixed after the first five days of the season. And <laughs> since then, I'm pretty sure he struck out in every at-bat that I've seen. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to ask you because what do they do here? Not just for this season, but moving forward. They talked about it as kind of a development year. Now you've got Dylan Carlson up. You've got Bader who looks like he was improving prior to, the migraine issues Lane Thomas is eventually going to be back how do they make sure that they find out enough from Bader Thomas and O'Neal prior to the offseason to know okay this is the guy that along with Carlson and Fowler is going to be in the outfield for us every day next season First of all, BK, you're on you are on, you're on quite a run.
0: Right
1: here. <laughs> yes, he is, Saxy. <laughs> we try not to
2: bring those up. Thank you so much. As I mentioned, we got about a minute left here, Saxy. Yeah. <laughs> the answer is it's
0: tough. It's really tough. I would say generally if you talk to, like, baseball people, they'll say what's a representative um, sampling of a player's season, and they'd say 100 at-bats. He's probably about halfway there now. So – I don't think they have reached that point with Tyler O'Neill because the power is so real. I think they'll give him a little more time. Harrison Bader, let's just remember how early it is in this team season. A week ago, Harrison Bader had brutal numbers. Then he gets hot for like two or three games, and now he's got like an 830 OPS or something. Very, very good. So it's really early. And as badly as Tyler O'Neill has been struggling, there are some signs of hope. He's not swinging as, at as much junk in the dirt that he was. So he is making improvements. Unless he starts spiraling mentally, I expect them to give him a little more rope. I really do.
2: And do you think that'll be the case going into next year, too? Like, are we going to be in the same spot with this outfield next year that we're in right now?
0: No, because I think they'll get enough. I think this season, if they if they're doing anything, you know, smart, they're going to take a look at this season as an evaluation period. To go into this, if the numbers look as they do now going into next February and the same names are in place, if I'm a Cardinals fan, I'm pretty upset because you've had enough enough of a sample size now to make informed decisions. And that's what this season is for. Even if it's not a representative season, even if it may not be a legitimate championship season to some people, you should be able to make decisions on these guys. And for people getting into, you know, 26, 27 years of age, the runway does start to run
2: out. Well, that's where I'm at in my life, and I can absolutely tell you that the runway is definitely starting to run out for me. He's Mark Saxon, Cardinals insider for 101 ESPN and The Athletic. You can give him a follow on Twitter at Mark A. Saxon. He's certainly going to have a great recap of what we're going to see at this trade deadline, which is going to be eventful for the Cardinals. Saxon, we always appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today.
0: Thanks, Jensen. If it's any consolation, mine ran out
2: about 25 years ago. (laughs) You're the best. That's Mark Saxon here on 101 ESPN.